so for once, we're not only really talking about the UFC. In fact, we're not really talking about the UFC at all, besides maybe a possible juicing scandal with one of its biggest stars. <laughs> but we'll, we'll end the pod with that, because I think we have to begin with just how awesome the, the PFL pay-per-view ended up being. Obviously, we kind of talked a little bit about it to end the show last week, talking about Kayla Harrison and how she's one of the best female fighters around right now. And then... Upset of the century, upset of the year, possibly. There's a lot of contenders for that. I feel like I've been seeing like <laughs> yeah, it's been a lot Instagram. happening this year. Yeah, because we got Edwards and Usman, Adesanya and Pajeda, and now this. I don't know, man. This might be number one for me, just because yeah, of some history. Something about uh, you know, Ali, the Ali effect in a way. It just hasn't been his year. <laughs> Did you see? Um, he tweeted apparently before the fight that. If Kayla lost, he would leave MMA, and yeah. like now everybody's like, really? Like, like is it? Like, is it true? Like, bye bye. <laughs> but oh my god, yeah, I doubt that's true. Um, Dude, he was probably yeah, sitting in the just... audience just in fucking total pain watching Kayla. Yeah. Well, it was a good fight though. It wasn't like she was getting her ass whooped the whole time. Just dead on the inside once he heard the the call. Yeah, I don't that. understand. People were saying like, well, not a lot of people, I should say, but. uh like enough that it made me like note it that was like there were so many people that were mad at the decision and i'm like why i i feel like it was like a clear three two personally i don't know what you thought um that i mean that's just kind of what comes i guess what comes with just such i thought it was close i didn't think it was clear i thought it was pretty close especially that third round like that third round could have went either way but um no, it was it was super close. I enjoyed this fight a lot, but I I still uh, I still think the decision's fair. And yeah. I it seemed, you know, I think you could just see it like, you know, Kayla Harrison clearly w- wasn't able to work that judo as much as she would have liked to, and that just kind of made all the difference. Like, you know, it was they were they were both just they were both like slugging it out in there seeing like even on but, the ground there was like a lot of crazy extreme exchanges because yeah. like like you were saying like kayla i mean she she did like a decent job of the wrestling clearly pacheco got so much better at like defending her takedowns and having better like responses to them because even in like round two i think it was the first takedown she attempted she got caught in that guillotine real quick and like the round kind of changed after that because then she stunned kayla on the feet it was it was a really good fight and like with what you were saying about how it came down to round three i kind of agree with that i personally gave it to pacheco just because you know we've had this conversation a million times because of the damage over um, grappling control because like kayla was on top for like decent portion of the round but she wasn't really doing much and she was getting caught up in like triangles arm bars all these different submissions and she's also getting her like just beat up from the bottom and uh, I don't know. I, th- I thought that that gave the round to Pacheco, like if you ask me. And clearly, I guess like the judges kind of agreed with that. But I don't because we we could really go into like so many different directions with this one. But I guess maybe if we want to start with Kayla, like what do we, what do you think of her now after this? And like where do you think she could really go from here? Because obviously, losing in the final fight of your contract is never a good thing. It's tough because, you know, someone who kind of like, I don't want to say like hyped up, I mean, who hyped herself up as much as she, she, uh, she did, like obviously prior to this fight and all that, uh, you know, it kind of puts her in a really like tough spot, you know, to just lose 
lose the million dollars in the title like that. It's and then also some like you know, I like I guess this is it for her PFL career too. So now it's like probably now it's really where does she go from here? I saw something. I saw something about um, you know in 2023 uh, her wanting to i guess move down from a 155 really i didn't yeah, know so yeah. she wants to i'm assuming go to 45 yeah, yeah that makes me think she wants to go to the ufc because mm. maybe she th- well because did she say this like before or after the fight said it before all right well still either way i mean i know she wants like the cyborg fight too but now like that's kind of yeah that's dead in the water yeah. well not dead in the water but it's not as big as it would have been mm, if she would have yeah Take taken or taking the opportunity like a couple of years ago, or even last year when like her contract was I think up too because I don't I only think she signed like a one year deal with them, and obviously the UFC their contracts are different it's like fight contracts so they get like four or five fights but in the PFL since they have like the season format for anybody who doesn't know they get basically contracts like athletes do, mm-hmm. a couple seasons and stuff like that, but Kayla I don't know. I, I still want to see the Cyborg fight just because I think it would be a fun one. And I'm curious to see, especially after this, because Pacheco did so well on the feet against Kayla. I'd, like, who knows how Cyborg would do? Because Cyborg is really good and she has a lot of power in her hands, like Pacheco. And I was kind of like, I wouldn't say mad coming in because like I kind of thought that Kayla was going to run through Pacheco just because she beat her twice. But. I just didn't like like the disrespect on Pacheco's name because people always are calling Kayla a can crusher and like I get that she's beaten some girls who probably don't really deserve to be in there with her, but Pacheco is not one of those people. Like she's got really good grappling as she showed in this fight. She made the right adjustments, was ready for what Kayla had to throw at her. And to think that like this is just like a fluke or like good luck is I, I think that's just disrespectful to Larissa Pacheco because I thought she just made the proper adjustments and showed why she's been so good all season. Cause people, people forget like, you know, the way that the PFL set up, like the, the finishes you get and like what round it is that affects your seating in the season. And I think you have like two or three regular season fights and Pacheco had first round knockouts in five consecutive fights. So she came into the finale as the one seed. Kayla was the two seed. But obviously their history leads you to believe yeah. that Kayla was gonna win. But man, just what an upset, honestly. Like I, I'm happy for her. Like that was, that was even what I said on Instagram. Like you know, you could we could talk about the fight at nauseum like we kind of are right now. But in at the end of the day, like it's just really cool for Larissa Pacheco because you think about it, she's the champ. She finally beat like her most challenging opponent, and now she's a millionaire. Mm-hmm. You know, she won that money, obviously, because the PFL champs all get a million dollars at the end of the season, which is awesome. So, yeah. great win for her, honestly. I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to add just about like either the fight itself or either no, of the two yeah, ladies I mean, in it. That's about it. Like, um, yeah, that's going to be really interesting to see uh, where, uh, where uh, Kayla Harrison's path takes her. And he's like, I guess it's starting. I guess uh, it's starting next year. So I'm looking forward to that. My prediction is still Bellator. I just have a hunch. I, I don't know because I feel like she's gonna demand like a lot of money, and the UFC, you yeah. know, how they are about being yeah. stingy, and especially now she's coming off a loss. They're gonna say, well, now it's not as big of a fight with you and Nunez yeah. or any of them. But I don't know. I think there's still fights at in either the PFL or Bellator for, but. On to uh, the co-main event, 
Yeah, Brendan Lochnane versus Bubba Jenkins in the 145-pound uh, division. And this was obviously... All these fights besides the Aspen Ladd fight in the main card were for titles because that's how the PFL works. That's why I'm glad it was on pay-per-view. Like, I thought I thought that was a good move by them. I thought it was a little expensive at 50 just because, like, they're not quite at the UFC's level yet. And to be, like, that close to them in price is kind of... I don't know. Like, I feel like they, if they would have lessened it a little bit more people probably would have bought it like i told you i I bought it i wanted to support the fighters and plus like i don't know the streams for any other event besides the ufc are kind of like ass sometimes but i don't know we'll we'll talk about that another day i guess but i dude i was so annoyed too at first with espn plus because i bought the pay-per-view but it was like glitching like it kept not letting me like start it up and it was like you still have to buy i'm like no i'm not buying it. yeah <laughs> like are you kidding me i already took the 50 bucks the out worst. i was so mad i'm like this is what pisses me off and like this isn't with just like you know the ufc obviously this is the pfl yeah. now too like what the hell like this is espn's problem like why why am i buying a pay-per-view and it's like <laughs> it's just so stupid like this is why people stream it like yeah. you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying but anyway on to the, the fights themselves again, just because the fights lived up to the hype. But Brendan Lochnane had a absolute battle with Bubba Jenkins in the uh, co-main event for the t- uh, featherweight title. And, you know, it was like a slugfest for sure. But, like, the one thing that was really, like, sticking out to me the whole time was, like, how Lochnane was landing so many leg kicks. Yeah. And yeah. that that matters That's because of its mobility. It seemed like Jenkins' hands versus Lochnane's... Uh leg kicks uh, yeah. uh, and you i mean you saw like Lock, jenkins jenkins shin was like that that looked bad like you know <laughs> at a point and then like it just seemed like they're like lock Lockney's confidence just kept going up and up and up and then there you go you get the you get the the finish and yeah yeah well deserved great fight his story yeah. is really interesting to me do you know like about like brendan Lockney's no, story no. so in 2019, he fought on Dana White's Contender Series, and he won won his fight handily. Oh yeah, that's right. Now I have yeah, yeah I have seen. This. And they didn't, yeah, give him they the didn't give him the contract because he went for takedowns, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and I'm like, man, did they lose yeah. out on <laughs> such a good fight? I mean, it's gonna happen. You know what I mean? I I think Dana White's Contender Series is a bit kind of uh, yeah. I don't know. Flawed. Yeah, because like. This is why I, I kind of like call like bullshit on some of the things that Dana says sometimes. Like when he's talking about like, oh, you know, the head trauma is really getting to me nowadays. And then now you see he's doing power slap where people are getting knocked yeah, out really. cold. Like it's just, you know, I get like what he's trying to do. And I, I'm sure he, it's not that he doesn't give a shit. I'm not saying that because, you know, we saw the video of him after the Calvin Cater fight with Holloway and how concerned he looked. Like he's definitely like not a complete like asshole with it yeah but to say that like he's all of a sudden like got a heart with it is i don't know because you know you still want these guys on dana white's contender series to kill each other and that's why a fighter as good as brendan Lochnane didn't get a contract in the ufc and like i wish that this dude was in the 145 pound division in the ufc but he's not he's in the pfl now he's the champ Won a million dollars. Yeah. He's probably going to come back next year. And that division in uh, the PFL is honestly pretty stacked. Because besides, like, those two, I'm pretty sure, like, who else? They, uh, Chris Wade, I know that. There's, um, God, there's just so many people. I don't even know, like, where to start. Pretty sure there's, uh, what's the guy's name? It's the, oh, he's a wrestler. This is going to kill me. I can't, like, not figure this out. 
I'm gonna look up PFL featherweights. I need to know. He's Lance Palmer. Yeah. Lance Palmer. He's kind of like uh, getting up there. I think a little bit in age, but he's really good too. So that division's honestly really exciting to me. So we'll see how that goes oh, next man. year. But then the heavyweights, dude. Did you see? Uh, I don't want to butcher this name, but I'm definitely gonna. So Ante Delija. Delija. He's the one who was Crow Cops protege. If you remember, he's from like Croatia. No. He, he had a crazy first-round knockout in his fight to win the heavyweight title. It, it was like a bl- – dude, because there was so much stuff that happened on this yeah. card and, like, really good, like, drawn-out fights that this one kind of, like, slid under oh, the radar. Oh, so radio. this was the – yeah, so this was the fight that was just a straight just slugfest from the beginning. Yeah, and he just yeah. straight knocked the guy out. Yep. Like, it was early. <laughs> there wasn't really much to take from yeah, it. Like, not, um, what's it, his last – how do you say his last name again? You really just – Torturing me, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. It's it, because I, I I recall seeing I recall hearing that um I think I don't know if it was last year or not, but he actually lost out on the a million yeah, one see. time I before, and now this year he's got it. So that's pretty cool. Walking trouble. Now that's a that's a cool nickname. Walking trouble. Yeah, we could call him that. I like that, but let's see. Oh yes, yeah, right. Last year he lost to Capaloza or Capalo- He's pre- he's pretty good. He's lost to him a couple times. Honestly. Yeah. Cool. The tournaments, like we've talked about this before, like we like that the PFL has done like a different thing with MMA and how it's promoted. But they, the season format that they have currently is just way too complicated to understand. <laughs> like, I, yeah, like I, I, I like I kind of get it. Because it's like, you know, you, you get a first-round knockout in the regular season at six points, second round's five points, oh, yeah. vice versa, all Jeez. that. But, like... There's a whole point system, yeah. But then it's hard to remember, like, who fought who, and then you get all these crazy rematches, and, like, you know, Kayla Harrison has fought Larissa Pacheco three times, and I'm like, now I gotta remember what happened in each of those <laughs> fights. And if she comes back to the PFL, she might fight her again next year. So, like, with Delisa, he's he's lost to uh, Bruno Capeloza twice now. But, like, it's so hard to follow. Like, one of they were both in 2021. So, I think one of them was one of them was probably in the playoffs. They and fought one twice in the same year. Yeah, like, that's what happens sometimes. Like, it's so weird, like, the way that the bracket is set up. I don't know. I I don't really know how they can improve it. Maybe we should do it. Maybe we'll do that. Because, like, in December, you know, when the UFC – we were just talking about it before the pod. Like, once the UFC cards end for, the, like, 2022, there's going to be, like, a few weeks. Yeah. Maybe we can make, like, a video or something, like, kind of what we would do if we ran the PFL. And maybe that will be interesting yeah. to some people. But, anyway. I think uh, one other fight that was on there that I thought was awesome wasn't a title fight. The only one on the main card that wasn't a title fight but it was a huge oh, yeah. This one. Was, yeah, this was a really good fight, actually. Yeah, Aspen Ladd and uh, Julia Budd. I thought that was... It was a gritty fight, that's for sure. It was striker versus grappler, like, to a T. Julia Budd obviously being the striker, Ladd being the grappler. Before we get into the fight, and I'll ask you, like, what you thought of it, because obviously I could tell that you really like into it, but is it just me, or did Aspen Ladd look so much healthier yeah, at 145? Yes, definitely found that. her natural weight class now. Yeah, and I think that she has, like, a bright future in the PFL. So, I, that's cool. But for the fight itself, I mean, it was a it was a hard one to score. Like, I, I agreed with, like, the fact that it was a split decision, because I know I had trouble wondering. I, I kind of gave it to Ladd, but I could see the other side of it. What did you think of the fight as well? I thought, like, you know, 
those overhands that Aspen lad was throwing, like, that was something. Like, wow, like, I hadn't seen that, something like that from her before. So, like, I felt like something like that was some enough to give her the edge. But also, it was just, man, it really was close. I mean, all the, just, the, the, the scrambling sequences and all that. Just, it was, yeah, it was a really, it was a fun all-around showing from both of them. I so. enjoyed it. And she needed like she needed that because her UFC run kind of ended so like roughly and she just looked like really rejuvenated probably just to have like a fresh start and the PFL is really valuing her. I mean, like we just said like all the fights on this card were title fights besides this one yeah. on the main card on pay-per-view. So, that's really good for her and I think that she'll uh, she'll definitely have a future in that division. Imagine like if Kayla Harrison does come back and she does come to 145 and her and Ladd fight. I don't think that'd be a, a great fight for Aspen Ladd, but it would be interesting. She's got like good grappling. Like, it would be interesting. Yeah, I think so. It's tough though cuz Kayla's Kayla's big. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, I just think Aspen Ladd looks so much more like well-rounded now. I agree. This, this week pass. I think the other thing too is like at 135 like when she fought there in the UFC a lot of it was probably anxiety of having to make that cut, knowing yeah. that it's going to take everything out yeah. of you. And a lot of your training is more probably to lose weight than it is to prepare. And I think that's probably why her striking yeah, looked really good in this one. Hard. But anyway, there were a couple, well, three more title fights on this one. And uh, honestly, we could really talk about any of them because they were all pretty interesting. Sadabo Sai, there wasn't really much with him with the welterweight title. I thought was kind of, he just picked, his opponent apart really and he's done that like the whole season he's a great striker i mean he beat rory mcdonald up pretty easy in the in the regular season i think that was and he's improving just dramatically every year and i'm happy that he won the the million dollars it's so cool like i love that that's like the prize at the end of it that they get a million dollars because it's like you know yeah like with taxes it's probably less blah 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 but like it's still like generational like wealth like if you do the right things with it and i'm sure these fighters understand that because a lot of them have families and stuff so i was happy for uh sadabo sai because he's a really good striker and i'm happy that he won but then there was we could go into either of these because there was robert wilkinson just brutally just beating up amari akhmedov and then there was also uh Oli- oh god i'm gonna butcher this even though he's in the ufc olivier avon mercier, mercier. And Ooh, Stevie yeah. Ray. I'm going to go with OAM for all you guys yeah. listening. That might have been my favorite fight of the night, honestly. Yeah, I enjoyed that, dude. Because it was like, it was only like two rounds, but there was so much that happened in it. Because like the first round, OAM landed a lot of leg kicks. I thought he pretty much won that. But then in the second round, right when you think Stevie Ray is done. And I, I don't know about you. I'm pretty sure you agree with me because we've talked about him like a million times on this show, like with the whole thing with he had with yeah, Pettis. Yeah. But Stevie Ray is awesome. Yeah. Like I'm a fan. So and obviously I remember OAM when he was in the UFC along with Stevie Ray. So that fact that they're fighting for a title in the PFL just shows that, you know, they are really good. And round two, Stevie Ray, who's an exceptional grappler, has got great jujitsu, takes OAM's back. And that I don't know about you, but I thought that the fight might have been over at that point. Like, where did you, what was what was going I, through your head at that point? I I thought like well I will say like I didn't think I didn't think the hook the right hook that uh, finished the fight was gonna finish the fight. I didn't think it was gonna land like that clean and just 
it just doesn't get any more perfect than that. Like, wow. Like, when I saw Steve Ray hit the mat, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, right on that, the chin, yeah, dude. It was like, perfect. It's right on the button. So, I mean, cry to Mercer. Like, it seemed like he had, he seemed like, I don't know if it was instinctual or, like, he was, you know, he just saw the opening and just, like, some like something he was trying to set up the entire way through. But, like you said, he was, he had the leg kicks working for him. And that, I guess that kept Stevie Ray honest. And then, obviously, Stevie Ray, like, trying to work his grappling um and then just yeah like that was it was awesome i was i really enjoyed that fight so i enjoyed it too and oam like like you were kind of pointing out like just now his strategy like coming in was just really good and i think that has a lot to do with faraz zahabi who's his head coach and obviously faraz zahabi oh yeah those of you know (laughs) george st pierre's head coach rory mcdonald just to name like a couple of them, you know. Just a Canadian, just a Canadian beast. Yeah, dude, they, he's got he's got quite a squad up there in Canada, and now they have a PFL champion and a millionaire in Olivier Aubin Mercier. But then, in a way, I, I almost wish that like Omari Akhmedov wasn't so tough against Robert Wilkinson, dude, because <laughs> he was just getting beat up bad, yeah. and it took so long to get to the finish, and Wilkinson. He kind of reminded me of, like, Pajeda in a way, like, in the sense that he was just pressuring him the whole time, and his timing, dude, was amazing. The amount of times he was hitting him just clean on the chin, this it, was just as one-sided, really, as it could get, like, pretty early on, and then, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you had anything really on this fight, because there's not really much to break down, yeah, it was no, just an no. ass-whooping, <laughs> pillar to post. I kind of, like, you know, it was like, oh my god, like, you know, is the... It's the Doctor gonna step in, the ref gonna step in, like man, like Wilkinson's yeah. getting beat up. What do you mean Akhmedov? Oh yeah, the yeah. way run, yeah. I was honestly because I I knew like who Wilkinson was coming in, but I didn't really know as much about him. So like this one really like put me on to him, like because he really did well in this fight. Just if he can fight like that next season, man, because that's another division two hundred five uh, in the PFL that has like some good guys in it. So. I'm honestly, like, really excited for next season because there's so many fighters, like, who have now yeah. been signed to the PFL who haven't even fought yet or fought on this card because we were just talking about Aspen Ladd. We're about to get into a couple people who lost, but, like, still big names, Jeremy Stevens and Marlon Marais. And then, you know, Marais was supposed to fight Shane Burgos. Like, that's still a debut that we're waiting on. I, I'm excited for next season of PFL, even though I think it's going to be on DAZN instead of ESPN, which I don't like, personally. But... Anyway, we can kind of get into those two fights that I just mentioned with Jeremy Stevens and Marlon Marais. There's been like a lot of conversation about like what their future should look like. And, you know, obviously me and you fucking talking on a mic aren't going to tell people when they should and should not retire. <laughs> so, but it's, it's rough to see like guys like that who were good for so long kind of getting just finished like, like this. Like Jeremy Stevens, I'll start with him. That one was rough. Like, he, there was really no point in that fight where it looked like Jeremy was really going to, like, win, yeah. honestly. Like, he was just getting mauled on the ground. He's very one-dimensional nowadays. I don't know. He, he used to have, like, a lot better of, like, a takedown defense and get-ups. But I don't know if it's just... Because it's definitely not, like, a lack of energy. Because he's talking before his fight about being, like, Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. Wanting to kill That's what it is. Like, he actually is, like, that's just it. He just wants to take whoever's head off. Yeah. Which, well, like, obviously... Out, they don't fucking Obviously, move. we've <laughs> seen, like, he's more than capable of doing, which is the scary thing of lining up against Jeremy Stevens, but... Yeah, people forget he knocked out RDA at lightweight. Yeah, like... like that's you know, crazy. Mixed martial arts. Like, you gotta have... 
have, you know, if you can find that balance between, like, you know, the ground and the feet, then you'll be all right, but... It just seems like the grapplers that he's facing nowadays are just... And it, he seems, like, a lot slower, too. That's what it is. And then, I don't know about him, but, like, Marlon Marais is another one. He looked... He definitely looked a lot better in this fight than he has in, yeah. in the UFC fights that he had like, in he, his career, but... See, like, yeah, he got, like, a complete second win to him to... For, like, the majority of that fight, and then until he just didn't. Yeah, know? and then, like, that's the tough part because he looked like he had some juice and he looks like he has some left. But then you look at the stats, and that's five straight TKO losses. And yeah. it's just like, fuck, you don't, you don't really want to watch especially him get especially like when you Especially when you, lose, when you lose like that, like, you know, like, you know, your comeback and all. You have all this, like, all this uh, attention around you and... You're starting off so well, and then... Yeah, and Shane Marais is a good fighter, too, but, like, it's just tough, because you know how good Marlon was when he was at his peak. Like, you know, remember when he knocked out Aljo with that, like, half-knee, half-kick, and just put him on his face, pretty much. That was a scary one. Dude, and it's a... T- yeah, it's amazing. such a... T- it's... Such a tough business, man, to play game, because, like, you have... Like, their opponents, like, Jeremy Stevens, like, Marlon Marais, like, just the names alone, like, you already know their opponents are like, yeah, like, I want to be that one to just take these guys out of here that, you know, yeah. people are really watching. name. Exactly, yeah. And it's like, you know, like, the name only, like, does so much. It's like, you know, it's just a different time. Like, you have guys that are just, you know, I don't want to say hungrier because, like, obviously, like, you know, all these guys are just, all these guys have something to prove in some way. But, yeah, uh, yeah like, just... The, the the old fighters are definitely fed to, like, the new and exactly. upcoming ones, and that's just it's how tough. the sport is. It's really tough. Tell it will always be, too. Like, it's rough. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, I guess in the PFL you have more of a chance of, like, getting fairer matchups in the playoffs, but when you're getting beat in the regular season, it's kind of tough. But, yeah, I don't know. I thought that was a great PFL event. Personally, like it stole the show. The week, remember, if you guys remember last week, we were planning on doing a spelling bee. So, yeah, like, if it wasn't like already on the map before, like it's definitely on the map now on the PFL. So, yeah, I hope they made some decent money with the Patreon. Let's see if there's any like numbers up about it. But yeah, probably definitely not. <laughs> Who knows though? Doesn't really say anything yet. Just the prices and all that stuff. So yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe we'll, if we can find that out, we'll talk about it in another pod. But I guess before we go, we could talk about, like, the only story that's, well, there's actually a couple stories in the UFC. Maybe I, this is one that I didn't add to, like, the Well, outline. I did, real quick before we, I did see some about, and that's why, so, like, you know, we just have this, just such, part of why we have such this, like, huge respect for uh, Ariel Hawani and just what he does and whatnot. Um, but, like, he was, like, talking about, like, not, like, necessarily like, trying to, like, go people into like buying the pay-per-view but he was trying to just like shedding the light on like fighter pay and just talking about how the pfl is like really do- doing something like really cool to like help that like you know like obviously fighter pay is such a big conversation so he's talking about like you know you got six six fighters that are gonna win a million dollars and just yeah. you know there's just like that all just off that alone like you see a million dollars like like that's obviously a, a ginormous amount of money like you know, just so, like, the you know, the name gets out there even more, so, like, yeah, yeah it's, like... And that's life-changing money, too. Like, that's making the fighters have better camps now, too, because they're going to have more money to be able to spend on it. They have more money to support their families. And, like, you know, we've talked a lot about the UFC fighter pay and stuff, and Ariel, like, as great of a journalist as he is, you could... 
you could tell that like he definitely has some bias because of how his relationship <laughs> is with Dana White. But and it's so funny, like you talk about MMA journalism. There was this one guy who he definitely was asking the questions to Dana, like a little smugly, but he was asking him and prodding him about the heavyweight title picture and actually challenging him. And the MMA media outlets that are like popular now, they were like making fun of that. And I'm like, you guys are making fun of this guy for doing his job. <laughs> like, he's doing exactly what you guys should be yeah. doing. Like, that's what a journalist does. They challenge you. Like, Dana White's like kind of chuckling and he's like, and you can tell like he's kind of like annoyed, but you can tell deep down he had like a respect for it. He's like, all right, he's like, this dude's asking, he's not afraid to ask these questions. And he had like information like to back, well, Sort of. He definitely could have done a better job. But what I'm saying <laughs> is, like, we need more journalists that are going to do that and, like, actually, you know, ask the real questions and don't yeah. just take no for an answer and, like, these random – because, like, with the, he asked about John Jones and all that. He's talking about Stipe. He's like, he's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, we're trying to get John Jones to fight in March. He's like, well, he was supposed to fight this month, this month, and this month. So, like, what, which is it? Like, what, like, that's what they should be asking. Like, all these other journalists are so afraid to ask him that. And there's, like, this misconception that if, like, you ask Dana the tough questions, you're going to get, like, your press pass revoked, like Ariel. But people forget Ariel got his pass revoked and given back to him within, like, the next day because they realize or, that's a bad thing or to like, do. Or, like, this reporter for, like, some whatever stupid reason, like, you're just, like, afraid of just getting, like, made fun of or, like, because Dana might say something to you and then everybody... Yeah, and he was, yeah. like, screwing with him a little bit, but, like... You gotta just get through. Like you can't. As if you're a real journalist, like, you're not gonna let yeah, like Dana White more st- spin your narrative. Like you gotta come in with the actual numbers to back up what you're talking about. Like there's people who come up to Dana, like talking about fighter pay, and then like they just don't prod him whatsoever. They don't have any numbers to back it up. They don't have any of these people who they're like they'll be like, oh well, people are saying this. Well, who's people? Uh, uh, like. That's not what a journalist is supposed yeah. to do. Like, there's a reason why you don't see like the New York Times and all these other actual like bigger outlets at the UFC events, like we do like MLB, NBA, NFL games and stuff like that. But not that that the MMA media isn't good because they definitely do a great job at like promoting fighters and telling like different stories. But I don't know. I mean, like you can. There's always room for improvement in anything. So. I'm sure that there's going to be more people who are going to get better. And not I'm not shitting on everybody. Like, there's some journalists for every one of these platforms yeah. that are good. But, you know, we'll see if it ever improves. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's definitely something worth talking about, though. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, I mean, we kind of want to be, like, a part of, like, the new age exactly. of that. Like, kind of just talking yeah. about it like it is and not just giving you, like... Advocating more for the fighters. Yeah, exactly. We want to tell their stories, talk about what they're putting into this and all the fights and what we think from our perspective, just sitting here watching them <laughs> on our couch. Because like the John, like the John Jones situation, for instance, it's like, yeah. you know, it's, if the fight, like if the fight to make is Nganu, then, you know, that's already like, okay, that's a step up. That's a, that's a new division. That's a new division for John Jones for one. So he's already stepping into a title fight. Then you got Nganu, who's got to like you know, Nganu who's got to prepare, recover for that as yeah, well. He's and still it's like, hurt, you know, like exactly like, and you know, obviously Dana, you know, Dana's whole thing with Francis. Like I don't even, I don't know how, the, I don't know if that's gotten like any better. Like hopefully it has. Like it's just... weird because it seems like their problems are only business related. Like everything I see and hear, 
they're very like they're on really good terms personally like they're actually pretty good friends and that but would it's make sense money that's that's exactly like, think, yeah like this is your heavyweight champion and now you have like one of the biggest straws like ever in the sport like you know threatening that title like this is like as big as a money fight as it gets so like well the latest update on it is that dana was saying they want john versus francis in march who knows if that'll actually happen but that's what they want but they said if francis is injured still then they want either i think it was curtis blades or surreal gaunt to fight john and i'm like i'm here for that especially curtis blades that'd be an awesome fight <laughs> with him and john jones uh, and I would, yeah, I would like. I think I would rather see one of one of those guys first of against John. Like, see how John stacks against like a heavyweight, an actual heavyweight first. I will say this: I don't care how many years he's he's off. I don't think I will ever pick against John Jones until I see someone beat him. <laughs> like I like it, even the Dominic Reyes fight. Like you could argue that he won that fight, but it was. So close. Oh yeah, like like like, like two two of like that's just always gonna be his division. Like he he's he's like he's that's he's the undisputed goat of that division. But and two hundred five has had some problems lately with Yuri having to vacate. Oh his yeah, time. that dude. sucked. That, I that's him, like dude. the one division that just I think and we've talked about it before and like you can even more so now and like obviously it's just so unfortunate with Yuri's injury. Like hopefully he heals up uh he heals up properly and uh soon we can see him back. Uh, I respect him vacating the title yeah, too man. not to hold up true, the division. true champion for sure because like, you can tell he knows what it means like I remember like when Habib fought Poirier and it was like the champ versus champ and he's like this guy's not the champ he's like they're just saying he's the champ yeah. to promote the fight and like that's just kind of how it is sometimes with that like I just think that um I don't know because you don't we don't want like an interim title fight sometimes like it's kind of like with the featherweights like we're talking about like Volkanovski's the champ the person like Emmett or Yaya Rodriguez who wins the interim title fight, yeah, they're the interim champion, yeah. but they're basically just the glorified number one contender. Like, exactly. that's what it is. Other interim title fights maybe like matter a little more, like when there's a champion who's out for a while, but that's why I respect Yuri yeah. for stepping down because he's like, Well, who am I to say that I'm the champion when I'm not capable of defending my title? Because you know how that guy is, he's like a straight warrior. Like, he's all, yeah. all the way, samurai to the most like top extent i guess <laughs> but uh i respect it and then they they kind of screwed clover which i didn't like yeah like they really did i get that you, you kind of have to have a main event in place there but i don't know like to for glover to be like your guy like who's been there and like you know was always accepting the tough fights glover's just, just being glover's just being like a hundred percent like transparent like you know i'm ready to fight blahovich but like uncle i have like this is like a whole like another ball game that i need just simply need more time and like no like we need a fight for las vegas so it's like all right he's like, like i'm 40 he's like i'm 43 years old man he's like give me a break he's like i don't want to go in there and get like just slaughtered and like i i still think that he'll be a threat to the title i'm sure that the ufc is not going to completely bury him i just don't think that they hate him like that like they it's more like they're like yeah like the UFC is so high on uh on Goliath at this point like it's really no secret at all so I like, think it's mainly just like a business decision because you need a main event with championship yeah. like stakes and Jan Blahovich and it's funny because you were talking about Ariel before he even like reported he's like yeah like all this happened when Jan Blahovich was like on the plane on the way to Vegas and, <laughs> yeah, uh, he, didn't and he, well, he got back and was like oh get... <laughs> God, I'm like, the title now, that's cool <laughs> Good for him. I mean, I 
it's gonna be a fun fight between him and Uncle Live, but I got Uncle Live in that fight still. Yeah. I think he's the real deal. And hopefully we'll see a fight with him and Yuri at some point, or maybe even him and Glover. But, yeah, man, just like that division, dude, there's just so much parity goes on. This changes like, like that. So, yeah, um, yeah exactly. and then we're going to get another a new another champion. And we'll when's see. the fight happening again? March? Uh, what? Which one? Uh, Ankoliyev and Blahovich. Not December. Like Oh! This, yeah, Mar- what were we talking We were talking about something with March. I don't remember what. But... Yeah, no, that's, nice. uh, that's, yeah, because they canceled the one, like, because it was supposed to be Yuri versus Glover, and then they canceled it, and then they offered Yuri, or they offered Glover, sorry, um, Uncle Iev, and that's, like, when he was like, well, I need more, t-. I, he wanted to fight yeah. him in January. All right, yeah, that makes, okay, yeah, yeah. nice, cool. Then, you know, speaking of uh, comebacks in the UFC, Conor McGregor, there's been a lot of talk around him lately about his, uh, his... I guess use of possible use of performance enhancing drugs. Uh, yeah, we've seen him. He's been looking pretty jacked lately. I'm I'm not ready to like straight accuse him of it, but he definitely has been saying some weird things about it lately. Yeah, well, we're we're not in any place to to accuse him of really anything, of course. But you have like other fighters themselves who are doing it, who are doing it, who are doing it already. Like Anthony Smith and uh, I saw something about Cub Swanson. Yeah, they um, were like kind of shitting on him about yeah. it. Well, basically, like for anybody who doesn't know, you know, obviously he broke his leg against Dustin Poirier, but he hasn't been in the USADA testing pool. So right now, Conor McGregor is not being tested for no. any <laughs> no. performance-enhancing drugs. And people have wondered, you know, why is... Chris Weidman having such a hard time, and Anderson Silva had such a hard time, and McGregor came back in such a short, like, well, he hasn't fought yet, but he, we've obviously seen him sparring and training, like, he's pretty much, like, doing all right. It's, um, it's definitely odd, but some people believe that maybe, like, if you're not gonna, like, you know, because he's coming back, he said that he was gonna be exempt from the six-month you saw at a testing pool. That is definitely not the case. And you saw said as much. And he said, uh, McGregor is not enrolled in our testing pool and would have to be for six months unless an exception is granted, which we do not think would be applicable, said Avery Walker, you saw the director of communications. And that means he would not be getting a fight in February, but he would probably be able to enter the USADA testing pool, which means he would only be able to fight in, what is that? So six months, February, so probably August. And... You know, who knows what the landscape is going to look like at that point. But it's just, it's weird because he's been so cocky about like not being in the USADA testing pool. It makes me think two different things. Like, one, that he really is doping and he just knows that he's going to be able to get away with it because of who he is. But the second thing, and this is honestly kind of where I'm leaning lately because McGregor hasn't fought in so long and we know how he's an expert at promoting himself. This might all just be to promote like he might just be blowing smoke to this rumor because he knows that people think it and he's just taking advantage of that and saying all this stuff you know i'm gonna be exempt you know i'm not who they know what i've been taking since day one like blah 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 it's just i don't know it's definitely a weird situation but i think i don't think that they're gonna have a repeat of brock lesnar at ufc 200 and have someone fight on all these different performance enhancing drugs (laughs) Because that's just a lawsuit waiting to happen for whoever his opponent's going to be. But 
I don't know. It was a weird story. I thought it yeah, was definitely worth like definitely. noting. But, you know, next week, December 3rd, we have uh, UFC on ESPN 42, which is Stephen Thompson versus Kevin Holland, and I cannot wait for that fight. There is another one card on December 2nd. I might try and watch that. Uh, DeRitter, he's a good fighter. I think he's, I want to say he's like the light heavyweight champ in one. Could be wrong about that. Like I said, I don't know. I never claim to know that much about the one athletes. All I know is that it's a great promotion, mm-hmm. and I try yeah. to watch it when I can. But honestly, like December is filled with some like great cards. Like I'm looking on this uh, on MMA Junkie right now. Even December 9th, like I can't wait for Bellator 289 with uh, Stotts versus Sabatello at the bantamweight title on the line. Dude, that's gonna be like a great, great matchup because those guys hate each other. It seems like. But two really good wrestlers, mm-hmm. so I'm gonna be looking forward to that. There's a lot of it's gonna be a fun December, and then you know after December 17th when the UFC's last event of the year is over, we'll see what happens. We'll see what we're gonna get get for you guys. But we got time before that. We got some fights to cover, and we'll be back next week to cover them. So we'll see you guys then.